Welcome to the Winners Find A Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello, welcome to the Winners Find a Way Show. I am your host, Trent Clark, and it is Friday, and we are always excited about the Winners Find a Way Show. And this Friday does not disappoint, as usual, as I bring on my guest, Kim Hamer. Kim, how are you doing? Good, Trent. It's nice to see you. Beautiful background. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you. It's so good to see you. Yeah, this is my virtual, right? Like, I am literally, I feel like I'm in a closet. <laughs> uh, so... How have you been? I am good. I am in the throes of building a business. And so that is always very interesting. It parallels my old, what I used to do is HR, never Mm -hmm. two days or never the same. Oh my gosh. So I think for all the entrepreneurs out there who always listen to the show, a lot of founders and people that are looking to be elite, you know, I, I think Kim, everyone can identify with the fact like, hey, I'm going for something and it's this day for that day. And when we look at that, that day can be 365. That could be a thousand days out, right? So you have a thousand of this days for that day when you're like, oh, hey, we've cleared $3 million in revenue, you know, whatever your thing is, right? And I, and I can remember distinctly going through that, like as a kid going, you know, hey, I want to get a college scholarship to play sports, you know, and I'm like, Every, what do I got to do this day for that day? Training, right. workout, have a great day on the field, you know, do my practice, listen to my coach, study some video, you know, you've got all these exercises that you're going to do. But there's a lot of this days that day. Yeah, 100%. And I love the way you put that because it's very true. I just finished having knee replacement surgery in December mm. and I was doing a lot of this day. So building a ton of strength going in, Smart. Uh, had the knee surgery, lost almost all of it. It was amazing how quickly I atrophied. And now I'm again doing this day to get to the point where I get to run again, which was like six, seven years ago. But yeah, and those this days, some of them are great. Some of them are like, yeah, I'm on great. And some of them are like going to the gym. I don't, I just posted something about the whole time I sang, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go to the gym. And I went to the gym. And even after I went to the gym, I wasn't happy that I went to the gym, but I still went to the gym. It took took some time. The the immediate payoff wasn't there right after. It took an hour. And then afterwards I was like, oh yeah, I went to the gym. That was really good. Yeah. And that's a bit of a rarity, right? To not get that immediate feedback. Before before we jump into this, Kim, tell people where they can find you. Sure. So they can find me at 100 Acts of Love. That's the number 100actsoflove.com. They can also find me on on Instagram at 100 Acts of Love. And of course, on LinkedIn, where I am quite active over there at Kim Hamer on LinkedIn. Perfect. Kim Hamer, H-A-M-E-R. So Thank you very much. Yes. That's, so that is a great place to find you. I found you there, of course. And you were reckoned to me by fellow EOer, which is very exciting. And you're an LA girl, which is awesome. I am. But an LA girl now. I don't know if that was always, but so we're going to get into that. And, and it's funny that you talk about the gym because my 11-year-old and I had this conversation yesterday. He was like, Dad, I, I don't want to work out. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I really get that. I said, yeah. I want to tell you how many days I felt like, oh, I looked at my calendar for this day and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this stuff on my calendar this day. <laughs> but I know that workout gets me to that day, right? Mm-hmm. And so I told him that I've never actually gone and done the workout and been like, oh my gosh, Trent, I'm so pissed at you for going to do that. You are the worst piece of trash. You know, exactly. I just never been able to say exactly. myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't do it. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. 
you know, and I feel like so great. And I feel like, oh, check the box. I, I did something. And so it's really interesting these years. Like it took an hour after, like, I still don't know if I feel great about it. And part of that rehab process is is because there's a lot of hurt, even in those workouts. Yep. There's still, there's still a little bit of pain. And also part of it is just kind of going with it. Like I just really didn't want to go. And it took my body and my mind an hour afterwards to kind of go, oh, you know what you did? You took action. And I think that's the thing that I we, we can talk about is it's taking contrary action. When you don't want to go, you go do it anyway. Mm. And understanding that the contrary action will have benefits along the line, but they may not experience the benefits right off the bat. So there's not that hit. Yeah. It's funny. And a lot of people ask me like, cause as a baseball player, you know, what were my last years were awful. I mean, my last two years were, you know, it was kind of like, it was a little bit like a slow death and that's a little bit, cause you're a grief expert, you know, right. so I don't want right. to, I don't want to yeah. overstate okay. that because right. it's really not fair. And I, and I want to preface that it's not fair, but the way I use that term is like my father's passed away. And I watched his last few years and it just, you know, it was steadily getting worse. And it was now appointment to appointment. He wasn't the same guy I grew up with and cognitively he wasn't right in yeah. the same way. And I know he didn't feel personally the same way. And you know what I, and, and I equate that as like my slow death was this man, more time in the training room and more time in rehabilitation and more pain from playing and longer time to get the body prepared for what's about to happen with longer recovery time. And I'm just going, yeah. oh my God, like, hey, I'm running out of hours in a day, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. hey, play these three hours, but now I've got like, you know, five hours on each side of it to make these happen. So now I'm a 13 hour day just to get the three A and like, how long is this sustainable? Like, right. you know, I start asking myself, right? is this sustainable? Because I'm trying to maintain a personal relationship in my life. Right. Uh, like, and is this ever going to stop? Like, yeah. can I go back and constrict the, the, the five and five on either side back to two and a half, two and a half, to where it's really functional and efficient, right? And and I can recover for the next day. And so when it's kind of going up against you, it's like, oh my gosh, this is just, not very many people go, hey, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, hey, thanks, I'm deciding on my own that I'm walking away. They kind of go, hey, you need to walk away, right? Yeah. And so someone has to kind of give you that. And so I got that drop job transition going on there where they're like, hey, you're a good coach. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that someday. And they're like, yeah, we should do that now. But, you know, it was the writing was kind of on the wall for me. I mean, I, I was seeing it play out personally. And so, and, you know, and I think like kind of to talk about our subject today on the Winners Find a Way show, you know, some grief in that, right? There's some grief in the fact, like, nice. but there's also some relief in that as well yes. because of the pain and the lack of sustainability in that way. Is that fair? Yes. I think that's absolutely fair, 100%. So when we talk about the Winners Find a Way show, we bring on one percenters, as people know. People are looking to become elite, own that brand, run that company, do something great in their lives. They have high expectations, and they're going for something better. And we interview these one percenters. And so Kim Hamer's no difference here. I mean, author of 100 Acts of Love in the book, longstanding history in HR, and you're a speaker and you coach in a very specific space. And this is going to be unique to our listeners. And probably, I dare say, Kim, almost every one of our listeners have been in a situation that probably needed a Kim Hamer along the way. <laughs> and so unfortunately, this is the reality of the deal. We all go to work with a lot of people and you coach managers and the people managing others through a loss or a grief situation. Yes. And a lot of us have this in business, right? We have major changes from our business where someone gets in a car accident, they're no longer there. I mean, we've just seen it time and time again play out in life. And, and it doesn't even have to be that first level. It could be the spouse of, right. of a first person too, who's influential oh. in the organization and all Did those you, good things. I'm going to interrupt. Did you hear that? That was my doorbell. No one I did hear that. my doorbell. Hold on for one second. I'm so okay. sorry. Yeah, we're going to take a break here on Winners Find Away Show. So I, I can't wait to hear from Kim on this because this is one of those situations where we don't always talk about grief and grief. Okay, in the I workplace. hope that wasn't a first in your. No, no, that, that may <laughs> be a first on our show. <laughs> I think that, you know, this is something that's happening all around us in our company and leadership. I like to talk to, to folks to get people to understand like, hey, we coach up a lot of leaders and they're asked to run organizations. And probably 99% of those people that we work with 
never went to university for coaching or leadership. Yeah. And now well, you're going to have to do a ton of it. And yep. my guess is that in your situation, no one ever went to university or studied grief counseling or grief <laughs> management through these issues. Exactly. And now it's like, hey, I don't know. I know we didn't have this in your job description, Trent, but guess what? This just happened and we need you to manage it. Thanks. Yep, exactly. And I think that's the, look, it's the same thing as being a manager. When you become a manager, no, very few companies train people to be managers. Most companies go, hey, you're really good at your job. You want to lead the team? Yeah. And so you're all of a sudden thrown in. And I think the same thing happens. I think that it's one of those areas where, you know, I coach very specific, but really what we're talking about is supporting employees who is supporting a team in crisis. Yeah. Right. So whatever that crisis may be. And if you're if in, you're in the leadership game long enough, you will have to manage a team in crisis. Bottom line, there's no way of getting around it. So that's where I focus my time and energy, because I think it's a time where people tippy toe and don't feel like they can bring their strong leadership skills in. They're worried about being overbearing or they're worried about not being compassionate enough. So there's a lot of gray and confusion and worry and concern. And that, of course, can really affect a company's bottom line very quickly and deeply if they're not careful. Yeah, I think that's so huge. And I think, you know, what we've learned about in business and in time, right, is the fact that a business that takes like two quarters off to, to have a major recovery from something like this, could be potentially out of business in that time. And everyone goes, oh, wait a minute, what you, Trent, that's 180 days. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about you all of a sudden being thirty dollars to $40,000 under your monthly yeah. that fast. Yep. And all of a sudden going, uh, hey, can anyone stroke a check for $100,000? Yeah. <laughs> wait, hold on. Like, wait, what? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not making payroll this Friday. And that's a realization for many brands under $10 million in top revenue, that can happen that fast. Exactly. And with grief, we just kind of, we since we don't know how to deal with it, we do what a lot of people do, which is we just ignore it. And mm. that's where the problem starts, right? Because it starts with, I, I love the story. I was working with a client and he had this key person on his team Every key stakeholder, everyone and all the other teams really liked him. He was always friendly, very patient, easy to talk to. Even when he disagreed with people, he was just very, had this way of talking to them that made people like, oh, I disagree with them, but maybe I shouldn't disagree with them because he's got some really good points. So they had a death on the team. This person was close to that person who died. The leader starts getting reports back that this person is mean that they're rolling their eyes in meetings, that they're short and abrupt, like complete opposite personality. Yeah, 180. Of 180. Of, and so he's the leader is thinking, I now have to start kind of talking to him about what's going on. And what it was, was it was the grief showing up, right? Yeah. So when you have an employee, when you have a coworker who dies and you're going to these meetings and you're talking about widgets, you better bet there's going to be some eye rolling and be like, oh my God, get over yourself. This is so stupid and small compared to what just happened over here yeah. to me and to the family. And like, like they're, they're having a, a kind of a mini life crisis. And so thankfully it wasn't me, but it was someone else. This is a story I heard. I was talking to somebody and they said, okay, you know, you need to kind of look at it as grief. Like this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And that opened up the manager's eyes. And then it, he was able to have the conversation with the employee and the employee was like, oh, okay, I get it. Because a lot of times we don't even understand how we act under grief. And if we can't see that, then we can't change that. It's great. I mean, it's just great feedback because you know, I think we all think we're self-aware, right? <laughs> you know, I'm totally self-aware, right? And like just knowing and, been, and and going through some grief myself in my lifetime, I mean, that immediate perspective hit is real, right? It's like, man, everything's now in perspective and the flowers are brighter. They smell different. Like I need a new appreciation because this is incredible. This this traumatic thing happened or something changed. And you know, there's usually this hit for gratitude and thankfulness, but there's also a hit for why are we even spending time with this stuff? Like this is so inconsequential, right? Yes. Like, are we really arguing over blue or black ink? Like, yes. I'm not having it. You know, forget this whole company. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and so it's tough. So, and probably much like anything that really is powerful right? Whether that's alcohol or things like we don't know how we're going to react when this hits our body, when, when our emotions get involved in this. And all of a sudden, like one person can be like, 
oh my gosh, like the gratitude, the thankfulness, the increased focus, like amazing perspective that just feel nothing but blessing about this whole thing. And to the fact like I can't function. And I, I remember reading Team of Rivals, a story about Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, he Abraham Lincoln had this powerful adversary during the elections and I can't recall the name of him. And it was so powerful because he hated Lincoln. <laughs> he's just like, you know, right. he's going up against him. Like you're the worst guy ever. Like, and you know, and, and all in Lincoln's memorial, they have like the press where this guy just throws him under the bus about right. what a terrible leader he is and all this. And then Lincoln wins and nearly immediately calls this guy and says, your expertise is needed for the country. You're the guy who can come into the cabinet. And of course, you know, he shows him a lot of honor and all this thing. And this guy's like going to his wife going, you believe the nerve of this guy, right? Like (laughs) this guy wants me to come now serve him. And he's like, yeah, but for the greater good. All right, I'm going to do it for the greater good of the country, right? But now fast forward and he learns this great respect for Lincoln and his leadership style. And then when Lincoln is killed, this guy's inconsolable for two months. I mean, like the very man he hated Four or five years prior is now all of a sudden his top advocate of someone he wants to be around, be like, model, and admire. And this thing just hits us. And it's like, whoa, brilliant people just brought to a level where it's, I I can't even function. Yeah. And I think, you know, I I do want to talk a little bit about the gratitude that you talked about. Gratitude, first of all, there's two things. One, gratitude comes when it comes, right? And so there's this moment where we think, well, you know, I remember someone after my husband died, someone said to me, you know, Kim, you're young, you're good looking, you'll get married again, don't worry. And Mm. they were trying to make me feel better. They were trying to make me see the silver lining. But with gratitude and with silver linings, those are for us to discover personally. They are not for someone to point out to us. So, you know, I had a client who felt really bad that they weren't feeling appreciation, that they were really angry at this employee for dying. They were pissed because it was just causing so much, you know, disruption in the business. And he said, I feel bad because I I should be grateful that I had the opportunity to work with him. And I said, you know, no, the gratitude will come when it's ready to come. Right now, you need to work through being angry, like being resentful, being not okay that this person just died. Those things are, I think the thing is that people forget that there's, when you judge your emotions, that's where we all get into trouble. Instead of just letting them roll through, which is, he was really angry, you know? And it was okay to be really angry. But what happens, especially in a corporate world or in a business world, we are taught that there's shame in feeling angry. So it's bad to feel angry. So I'm going to shove that down. I should be talking about how grateful I am. I had this person in my life. I should be feeling like, look at all the great things that this person has done. That's where I should be. So when we start to do that, that's where we get into trouble, especially when we're leading a grieving team. Because if you're not allowing your, you know, it's okay to express to your employees, you know, I'm kind of annoyed at John today. I cannot believe he died. Son of a bitch. Shouldn't have had a heart attack. You know, like like you can take those feelings. He was the guy that handled this. He was the guy that handled. She did all our finances. She kept everything in check. She knew where the balances all were and who to pay. Exactly. It's stressful. You know, and I can imagine that. I can see myself going, I can't believe the wench died. Exactly. Exactly. And going, that's not, and feeling guilt about that because right. how can I say that? How can you say that? that? You're not I, a good person because you say I'm that. not a good person. Exactly. So those are all these rules that we have about what grief is and isn't and how properly to ex- to express it and not express it. And those rules, one of the things I have leaders do is walk right out what those rules are. Specifically, what rules do you think there are about managing grief in the workforce? How should mm. you feel? How are you allowed to express it? How long are you allowed to express it? This trips up leaders left and right because I've the only one leader I've ever worked with who ever said, most leaders say under 30 days. Yeah. It's okay for you to be sad for under 30 30 days, but after 30 days, you got to get going. And there's only one leader who I worked with who said, you know what? I think I should give my team up to 90 days, right? To kind of express themselves. And I think or for the grief to kind of work through the team. And so, you know, is really, there a magic number there, Kim? There I mean, is. I, I mean, wish like, there I mean, was. Right? Yes, are, you, like, are you ready? Yes, here it is. Okay, you ready? I don't know. No, there's no yeah. magic number. I think, there is I think no magic number. I think it's as long as it takes. As long as you it know? takes. No, and that, now it could. I think in fairness, if Jenny's so pissed off at John that he died and, you know, 
It's made her life a living hell, right? She's like, I'm, hey. raise, I'm trying to raise four kids, run this company, and there's no John, that son of a bitch. You know, like, right. Right. Like, exactly. Hey, did she just say that out loud? Hold on. Like, exactly. And like, hey, if she's still harboring that at 18 months, is it healthy? Is it healthy for the team? Like, Correct. You know, we do have to factor out that we still have to run this thing out. So I don't know what the date is either, but it's an interesting walk, right? Because, you know, should we feel shame for being angry at that? You know, at the end of the day, we do know we're selfish people, right? It's, yeah. it's hey, at the end of the day, I'm really sorry about what happened, but you know, how's this going to affect me? Yeah. And people aren't saying that out loud, but like they're thinking it. And I think, look, the bottom line is it's part of the process. It is part of the grief process to be angry. You know, that that Jenny who's really mad that John died, she's probably also pissed because she spends her drive in coming into work in the morning crying because yeah. she misses him because she's so sad that this happened because yeah. it's really scary, right? And when we have sudden death, when it's death from something random, it does make us kind of second guess our own lives. Like, holy cow, I could walk out the door and not walk back in tomorrow. Like this is an uncomfortable feeling. And when we have uncomfortable feelings, especially with things we have no control over, our reaction is usually just to either shut the door on them, you know, or to go in the other extreme. We're like, I'm totally out of control. I have no, I just yeah. can't, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So I, well, I think- and, and Can I jump in here? Because I, please. Think, I think some of the things we don't think about is Jenny is the CEO and the contempt that she develops going, hey, you know, I have 30 minutes now that I never planned for in my day because when I get to the office, I need another 15 minutes to fix my makeup from my ball right. on the way in. Exactly. Which, you know, how many times am I going to do this and get myself together for my kids now that I'm home and my partner that I'm walking in the door and now I got to be mom, significant, you know, this too. And I'm just trying to like, and, and should I take another 15 minutes to do my makeup so they don't think like, hey, who who brought in the, you know, right. the, the mask? Massacre here, you know, right, it's like, right. wait a minute, like, you know, it's like bad day at work, mom. You know, yeah. so it's and so like that's happening day after day, going, hey man, I don't have time in my life for this kind of grief and so now I'm building up my contempt meter, right? Because right. now it's like, hey, when's this gonna stop? Right. And and man, I think let's pivot a little bit, Kim, because you know, there's a couple of things when we talk about on the Winners Find a Way show, you know, and I love the quote, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. And so, but there's losing behaviors, right? There's blaming others, there's excuses, there's quitting and there's ignoring the data, right? And so I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, in this grief, do you see people like try to ignore the data? Like, hey, we're just got to go on and I don't want to talk about John's death and, you know, just do your job. And like, hey, I don't think that's going to get like, we shouldn't ignore the data that this happened and everybody, you know, talk to me about some of those behaviors and how they can get us in trouble in a hurry. Sure. So I think there's, you know, there's different kinds of data that people can collect. So I really love working with companies that actually do and know how to read and engage with employee engagement surveys, because I think that's really important. And I ask companies to add an additional question, which is, an, which is part of the NPS score, uh, the net promoter score, which is the same thing. It's just, you just add, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10, it, would you recommend your company, would you recommend this company based on how we manage the death of the employee? And so it's a net promoter score with just a little twist to it. So I'm a big fan of collecting that data. And if you have an organization that has something in the last six months, and then you have an employee loss, and you've got another time coming up in the next three or four months, it's huge to be able to collect that quantifiable data. But again, there's also the other data that you see, like you can see your employees, you know, things start to happen, your employees start showing up late for work, your employees start not really paying attention at meetings more so than what you've seen in the past, right? So it's you have to be very aware of what normal is for your team and start to see how normal is not showing up. So absenteeism, excuses, I can't do it, I didn't get it done, I'll get it to you tomorrow. Another great sign that you have a grieving team is it's really interesting, you watch a team make errors. Someone who like has impeccable spelling and grammar will start to make errors. Someone who gets, you know, really good at putting reports together will start to put reports that just don't quite, that sort of are just a little bit off. Mm. Someone who's really, mm. an, an, you know, the best pivot chart make or, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever that you do on Excel. I, off yeah. the top of my head, can't think of it. Who They're really good at it. All of a sudden they miss 
a couple points, right? Their presentations aren't on point. So grief doesn't show up like, hi, my name's so-and-so and and I'm going to be crying all the time. Grief shows up in people's inability to focus. It shows up in people's ability to make errors. It shows up in people's inability to have patience for others. So a lot of times you'll find that sometimes your team will all of a sudden be really siloed. If you have a team that's really collaborative and they're dealing with loss, sometimes they get really siloed. It's like they put blinders on because they cannot function. They cannot handle anyone else's stuff at that moment. Short-tempered is another sign of grief. So there's all these different little things that people often put aside, you know, slough off and say, oh, it's just he's having a bad day or we've had a tough week or, you know, we're under a lot of pressure right now as we are at this time of the year. But in the back of your head, there's something else, you know, there's something else. So I think that those are, I know that those are some of the key ways that people can, you can start to see grief showing up, how you can measure grief showing up on your team in just those little ways. Yeah, I think that the countermeasure of personality, whatever that is, whether that's extrovert to introvert, whether that's, you know, the people that's stoic and to all of a sudden laughing, giggling, even inappropriately. Yes. I feel like, you know, I was going to say Kamala Harris, but you know, like, why is she giggling? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when you see that it's inappropriate, it's like someone's personality has has changed, right? Yes. And so, like, and you used a good example of this person who's always been the, hey, really loose to all of a sudden stop, short, Angry, you know, almost combative. Impatient. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Impatience. Yep. And this is like, whoa, this is not like Bill, you know, like what's going on? Yeah. So I think that's big. Let's kind of pivot a little bit, which is, you know, we talk about, we've just gone through a pretty massive change in just our world because of the pandemic where it's like, hey, everybody go home. Everybody work a different way, Mm -hmm. whether that really fits you or not. You need Mm -hmm. to work like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, that could be some grief for the extrovert who Mm -hmm. needs to go to the office and get the energy. I think there's some trouble for the introvert who's like, hey, you just need to be on Teams 19 hours a day now. (laughs) Like, like, I'll have a headset on all the time that doesn't have like easy jazz because that's Mm -hmm. what I want. (laughs) You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, no, we're going to have people bitching at you on a screen like you're like oh well that should be fun i really like working like this yeah now i'm grieving the way i used to be able to get my job done or i'm grieving my former freedoms or i'm grieving relationships i'm missing or i'm grieving someone who i lost in the pandemic i mean there's a lot of grief going on during this hard time yeah i mean and all these companies while have some awareness are oblivious to it, the fact that it's grief. Right. And I think, yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that they do know that this is grief, but they were, they're grieving too. So I think it's, you know, we forget the companies are led by human beings, right? They're not, I mean, IBM has a leader, Google has a leader. And so when they're- I thought thought Watson ran IBM. Yeah, well, okay, Watson (laughs) does run IBM, but that's besides the point. So, but you know, when you have someone who is at the head of an organization who doesn't look, this took us all by surprise. Yeah. And I know people aren't good at grief. None of us are really great at it because it's been, you know, we can talk a little historically, but it's been removed from us. We don't see death. It's, it feels tragic when it happens. You know, we don't, we're very good at forgetting that 100 years ago, losing a husband was not uncommon, right? So, you know, we, we live in this very sheltered world where we don't see things that we used to see. And so all of a sudden, we're feeling, you know, we, we don't know how to handle it because we, we've we sort of lost that skill set. Something mm. that we talked about when we weren't on here, we talked about resilience. And I want to kind of circle back to that because when we were talking about the person who's, you know, Jenny, who's coming into work and has to spend 15 minutes now putting on her makeup, what would happen if she didn't spend 15 minutes putting on her makeup and she showed up and just said, I had a really tough drive. I was thinking about John the whole time. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things that I'm really grateful for is that during my grief process with my kids, I taught them how to be resilient. And I didn't teach them how to be resilient because I was, this is how to be resilient. Step one, step two, step three. Mm. I taught them how to be resilient because they came home from school sometimes and they saw that I didn't get out, hadn't gotten out of my pajamas. They came home from school sometimes and they saw me hysterically crying on the kitchen floor. They came home from a play date sometimes and they saw me just raging against their father for being dead. So in the moment, that's terrifying to them. But then they see me put dinner on the table They see me tuck them into bed at night. They see me cuddle them when they come in my room at night. They see me laugh on the phone with a kid, you know, with with a friend. They see me laugh with friends and they see me cry. 
And then they see me fall apart and then they see me do something good. So resilience. So that's how we teach resilience. And it's a hard lesson because we want to comfort somebody and like be like, oh, it's okay. Don't, you know, it'll be okay. I'm, I'm fine. I've, I've got this. But resilience in leadership is when you're a leader is taught in those moments where you're like, you know what, y'all, I cannot function at this meeting right now. I need to go. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm losing my crap right now. Let's we'll do this meeting later and walking out of that meeting and then coming back to that meeting an hour later, two hours, maybe the next day and going, I was really struggling at that moment. I was really feeling great amount of sadness because John was dead and I was feeling a great amount of shame because I was so angry at him, but I'm back and now let's get to work. That's how you teach resilience. And mm. that's what I want leaders to embrace is, look, I don't think that you should be crying at every single meeting when you lose an employee. I don't think yeah. that's appropriate. I don't think that's, I don't think you could, you should be doing that. But if you need to cry at every single meeting after you lose an employee for the next three days, then have at it and do it. If it's coming up, then that's that because it does it will scare your employees your employees will feel oh crap and you are giving them permission to express their own feelings which they need to do to be healthy and to be able to work productively for you you will be teaching them resilience because you're going to come back and you're not going to cry that one day and then the days after that you're also going to be you know giving your team permission to like hey this is real life stuff all employees you know we know this from from surveys employees want to work for authentic real companies employees want to be engaged with a purpose and you can be making widgets and still have employees engaged in a purpose and that purpose can be just working together collaboratively, right? So I really firmly believe in showing up however you're going to show up after grief. There's no kind of like, I'm not going to show up this way because it's not professional. I'm not going to show up this way, whatever. When you are in that moment of discomfort and your team sees you, that is where you start to teach the team about resilience. That's where you start to teach the team about productivity. That's where you start to teach the team about how you work through something and you show up anyway. And so that's my big kind of push and focus on this. Grief on a team is not a time where everyone's, oh my God, I'm so, I can't. You can show compassion and be productive and focused at the same time. You can show incredible love and support for someone and still get a job done. And I think that sometimes as managers and leaders, we think those two things are separate and they're not. They are completely connected. I'm off my soapbox. Yeah, I think like, and you, we talked a little bit about this too, is that's a lot on a person and it's not easy to be like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm jumping into the authentic, vulnerable pool today. <laughs> like, right. you know, like, man, I mean, it's for many in the emotions, it's exhausting. And that, you know, I can remember as a, as a public speaker like yourself, that first time I start talking about abuse in my life and things like that, it's like, oh man, like, that's not comfortable. And, and I can also remember those early reps going through that. And I don't think about it a lot now. Like it's relatively e a lot easier now. But I remember those early reps, like I would get back to my hotel after these talks and I would be like, oh my gosh, room service, exhaustion. Just, I, I can't go anywhere. Like I just need to climb into the bed till 9 a.m. tomorrow when the car's coming to pick me up and go to the airport. Like, right. it, just, it was just like, oh, hey, let's go out to dinner and hang out. Like do that now. But I could not do that then. It was draining physically, emotionally, all these things. So, you know, when we talk about this in the workplace, we're back on, hey, Mr. Manager, you got this, right, Teresa? Like, I, I think so. Like, right. I know, I know, again, not part of your job description, but all this energy. And by the way, please make all your KPI. Right. Uh, make sure that, you know, exactly. everything's running well and we've got two HR issues you need to deal with. And, right, right. And it's like, holy cow, you talk about someone who's now like all about the front lines. And in addition to the fact, like, what if they're the ones who are the primary affected? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. this is a lot on a team member. And I think the one thing that I always want people to remember is it doesn't last forever. Mm. Right. And I think as leaders, right, we talked about doing the thing today that's going to get us to that place, that golden place tomorrow. And it's the same thing with grief. It's doing the thing today knowing that you're going to get to a better place tomorrow. When my husband died, I started counting days and my friends thought were mortified. They're like, you know, the day after he died was day one. The day after that was day two. And they were like, How, why are you counting? Like, that's horrible. And I realized I was counting because I knew 
at some point, I didn't know what day it was going to be, but I knew at some point I wouldn't be as much pain. I would think of him and laugh more than I would cry. I would feel like alive again. I didn't know what day that would happen. I didn't know it was day 366 or day 10,024. I had no idea. And you're hoping not day 10,024. I was kind of betting that it wasn't going to be day 10,024, but I didn't know, you know. (laughs) But to know that, I knew that at some point I would feel better. I I mean, as a Boston girl. I got to say, like, you know, the Boston girl being that you went to Emerson College, right? Right. right. And so we're New Englander, Connecticut from New England. Oh, you are. Okay. So you're a New Englander. And so one of my all time favorites is Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah. There's a grief there, right? You know, Robin Williams plays this serious character and he's grieving the loss of his wife. And he's kind of like that guy, right? Like, hey, someday I'm not going to feel this bad about my wife dying. Yeah. I don't think that's today and it's not going to be tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> like right. and it's like even like and then the and then the kid kind of gets on him like oh that's just a great attitude there uh, sir right like yeah sessions over be yeah. it you know <laughs> it's happening you know like hey it's do as I say not as I do right and and part of I mean sure, his therapy is this kid right that he's dealing with his grief and challenges and and so what ends up kind of circling back on him so it's a it's a real intricate look at grief and you could see this great kind counselor who's the ultimate, you know, support, you know, something we're going to talk about, some a compassionate leader for this young man who, when he crosses that line, fury and anger like that, you don't talk about my wife, Whop! right yeah. to the throat. And you're like, yeah. I guess I know where the boundary is now. Right. <laughs> like, whoa, right? And, and hey, listen, I'm not promoting workplace violence, you know, anything right. else. I'm just telling you, like, people are going to grieve how they're going to grieve. And we need to be aware and self-aware, too, that if this could feasibly escalate to that, should the guy be in the situation? I don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. But yep. it's all stuff we got to think about because I think the show's a pretty good, some real good lessons there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the other thing, too, is just, you know, we, you touched on this earlier, we are not as self-aware as we'd like to think we are. And so our temper, I mean, I found myself just short-tempered like nobody's business. I just didn't have, I liken it to, so you know when in the movies when they show women giving birth and they're like in the middle of pushing or they're in the middle of labor and the (laughs) husband's like trying to be helpful and she's just screaming at the husband. It's like, ah! So what I realized is when I was giving birth, everything, my whole body was focused on getting this child out of me. Yeah. Like everything, anything that took away from that focused pissed me off. Right. It was an automatic reaction because I needed to not be worried about that. I needed to focus on what my body was trying to do. Yes. The same thing happens, especially in the early stages of grief. The (sighs) smallest thing can set you off because your whole mind, you have just realize you cannot locate somebody. Yep. Your mind is trying to, your mind, if you think about anyone we all know that's alive right now, we sort of know where they are. We sort of know how we can get in touch with them. And we sort of know how long it would take us to get there to see them. Those things have all disappeared with this person. And your mind is like, wait, what? Huh? 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 I don't, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, like, so yeah. your mind's trying to figure this whole thing out and it's taking a lot of energy to do it. So anything outside of that, that takes away from that energy can make you very short tempered. So it's not uncommon for a boss to kind of come upon something that an employee is doing that an employee has done lots of times and kind of annoys you to kind of all of a sudden go off on that employee Hmm. because that employee, that boss is grieving. And that one thing is that thing that that person's doing is distracting him, distracting his or her mind from trying to figure out, wait, okay, so like, I can't see them again. Like, I don't understand how that works. So I think, you know, knowing this about ourselves and something that I go through when I coach, we have a whole session on what grief does to the brain. Because I think it's really important that you understand the facts of how grief affects the brain so that you're not kind of going on, this is just a feeling. No, this is not just a feeling. This is your brain trying, this is your brain scrambled trying to make sense of something. And it takes some brains a shorter time to make sense of it. And it takes other brains a longer time to make sense of it. And the way we make sense of the time it takes us to make sense of it is also highly related to the relationship, the kind of relationship we have with the person. So on your team, you might find one employee who is like, seems to be fine. That's because they didn't have that close relationship with that person or seems to be fine after 30 days. It's like, hey, I got this. And then you may have someone who had a really close personal relationship with that employee and they're struggling three months from now. So that relationship that you have and the time 
of, I don't want to say recovery because I don't think you recover from grief. I think it morphs and changes, but the relationship you have is affects how bad the grief affects you. Well, one of the things I want to dive into this a little bit deeper on is when you describe me, first of all, not fair for you to talk about childbirth. That's meant we don't know. <laughs> you know like, that looks really bad. <laughs> like, you know, it looks really rough. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad it's not me. All right. You know, um, I compare to if you're in the middle of a really hard set, you're doing some legwork, like this is a heavy lift for you. Yeah. You've never done this much before. And everything in your body is focused on pushing that press up. And you know it's going to take everything in your body. Some guy walks like, hey, how you doing, Trent? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? I think, let me pivot a little bit on that. Sure. Because let's pivot to pain. Mm -hmm. Because, what, you know, described in childbirth, it's energy focused on that. But this is like pain, right? Yes. This is pain now. And, yes. you know, I think about like injuries on the yes. field, stuff like that. And it's like, oh my gosh, that just happened. You know, you've, we've seen some really bad injuries over yes. the years sports and like, you know, legs bending the wrong way. Yes. And you see like the face on people where shock comes yes. in, like, because your brain is scrambled, like, no, my foot shouldn't go that way. Yes. You know, and it's like, wait, what happened? You know, and I, I could probably equate that to like a military position where, you know, something happens, like a, a grenade goes off and someone loses a limb and you're like, no, I just got to go grab my leg. And you see that like, no, I should pick that up. And yeah. like, the brain can't, no, it's off. It's gone. It's not coming back. You're not yep. going to like, you know, Velcro this thing. Exactly. And so we don't know how to equate it. You know, and I, and I look and I think like, man, you know, someone sitting in pain on a street who just got hurt, who just got knocked off their bike and someone come up and go, Hey, we were going to do pizza tonight. Do you want a pepperoni or were you thinking like maybe a vegetarian? And you're like, holy doesn't matter. Like there is only one thing that matters right now. And it's whether my knee is dislocated. Like it, yep. it would be the silliest question in the world, but, yep. but the pain is so enveloping. Like, and so I want to use that and lean into that because the pain doesn't have to be physical, right? The pain can be emotional. Correct. The pain can be spiritual. The pain can be coming in a lot of different ways, you know, relational pain that I'm not going to have this anymore. Like, yes. wait a minute, you know, like, hold on. Like on Friday, when I say, Hey, Kim, you want to go to the movie? Why doesn't Kim pick up? Yeah. Right. Guilt. I know Kim's not going to pick up. She's gone. Guilt pain. Never been really fond of that employee. And man, yeah. just, and my, our last words were like, I was like, okay, fine. I was very short with him. There's guilt pain from yeah. that person the dies. And I then you're like, <gasps> yeah. yeah. How, how shitty you are at your job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's probably, that's probably the encouraging words I want yeah. to use there for somebody like this is who I am. Right. The last yeah. thing that somebody should hear is this out of some no name idiot bonehead like me. Like there's, there's self shame. There's all these things that jump in. It's just a, it's an octave of emotions from anger, guilt, shame, fear, fear. I might die. What, yep. are, what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? You know, like, yep. should I ride my bike anymore? Cause you know, this yeah. person died on their bike and yep. fear, fear, fear. Yep. And there's just a lot of, so what I keep coming back to that is those things typically elicit some level of pain or discomfort. I don't know if it's always pain, but it's definitely discomfort. And so when there's discomfort, we lose focus on other things because we don't want to talk about them. So that's where I see this, this, the first person you mentioned going, who used to be the compassionate collaboration, like, yeah, like I give a shit about what ink we're using. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like, is there any more dumb questions you guys are going to be asking me today? Like, right. or, or can I go? Because I'm kind of done with, as a matter of fact, you know what? I'm not even going to wait. I am just going to go. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, that's why it's really important that you have an outside source, someone who's objective and can see what's happening on the team and can help the team go through it. And again, I go back to the education piece on what our brains are like on grief is really important because it puts that science, you know, it's like, look, no one believed that meditation was a good thing. Nobody believed that meditation was a good thing. You know, people in the 60s who meditated were really kind of woo-woo and 70s and 80s. And now we have all this science that shows that meditation is a really good thing for your brain. So that can help push people to do something that they wouldn't normally, that they don't understand how it works, but now they can see how it works. And the same thing goes with grief, really understanding how grief affects a team and understanding how grief affects you personally is really important when you're dealing with it because it, you just need that sort of, you need that objective outside. Oh, that's what she was talking about when she talked about how grief shows up. This anger I'm feeling or this person who just can't seem like they're 
absent all that they're calling in late all the time now. What's happening? Oh, let me have a conversation with them and ask. Let me find out what's happening. Are you, hey, John, Josephine, Gerald, whatever. Yeah. I have noticed that over the last three months, you have been late for work twice a week, at least an hour each time. And I'm really concerned. And I've also noticed that that seemed to correlate with the death of Janice. Can we talk? It's a really powerful statement because that person may be really suffering and they, they're trying to get to work. They really are, but they just can't. Or they don't think that you really care. And so they're kind of like, you know what? I'm kind of done with work anyway. So opening up that conversation gives them the space. And maybe they're not going to take it right then, but they will can come back to you. But it gives them the space to go, yeah, I'm having a really hard time showing up for work. I cry every morning coming in. Like I just, and I don't know what to do. And it feels like I'm the only person who feels the loss of Janice and feels like no one else cares. And I feel really isolated and I'm just pissed, right? That Those conversations happen when you open up that door. Or the conversation is, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, right? Mm. And either way, the employee knows that you know. The employee knows that you're watching. And so, and that can be either a good thing or a bad thing, right? Depending on your relationship. But if the employee knows that you're watching and you have a good relationship, employees will circle back and they'll, or they'll start showing up to work on time. Or you can say that, you know, you say to the employee, oh my gosh, no, I miss Janice every day. I think about her every day. You can let them know that they're not alone in their, in their grief. But so it's, it's being able to have the courage because let's be really honest, leading takes courage. It is not for the faint of heart. And courage is not something like, I'm not talking about the, I am talking about the holy crap. I am terrified out of my mind. I don't want to have this conversation and I'm going to have it. That's the kind of courage I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's that leaders have to step into that. And it's not easy if you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, if you don't have someone to bounce these ideas off of, it can be really difficult to do and to take those steps, take care of your team. Let's talk about the focused compassion. You kind of talked about that focused compassion. I mean, you know, compassion is great right? Sometimes generalized compassion is kind of a, hey, that's a nice kind of thought. But like, like some of that compassion that shows up for you, oh, hey, you're going to find a new husband. Like, yeah, you know, they mean well, but like giving me generalities isn't really what I want to hear right now, right? right? And so how do I, one, be the person who's intentional and two, actually do this in a way that gives people that room to create that value. You know what I mean? The number one thing leaders can do, which is, again, takes that courage. Just be quiet. You know, doesn't have to be said. Doesn't have to be said. You just, you can bring them into a room and you're one-on-one. And I hope to God all leaders are having one-on-ones because those are, I mean, as an HR leader, I cannot tell you the difference they make in engaging your team and getting them to to use discretionary output to do the work that you need them to do. So having that one-on-one and going, you know, I've been thinking about Janet lately. How are you doing with this? Be a listener. Just be a listener. And so here's a good tip for managers. I think that a lot of managers believe that they're judged on the answers they give, where I believe most leaders will be judged on the questions they ask. Agree 100%, and they will be judged on the way they make people feel. So for managers out there, for leaders out there, those are two huge things right there. The quality of the questions that you ask are going to have much greater impact than the answers that you ever give. Like, oh, I don't know if you know or not, but I've got brilliant answers and I'm the smartest person in the room again. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, oh, I'm so smart, you know. And, uh, and the thing is- That's not going to inspire people. And I think it's, you know, I'm a parent. And so it's really hard to not give the answers when you know the right answer. It's yeah. really hard. Like, I'm just like, just do this, 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 and this, and everything yeah. will be fine. But my job as a parent is not to teach them the right answer. My job is to give them the space to make the mistakes so they can learn. That's my job. My job yeah. is to be a steward, not to be a 100%, you know, you need to do it this way, a tyrant. And I think the same, I think the other thing too is we often think we need to ask really big, bright you know, important questions. And like I just demonstrated, it's simple questions. Yeah, It's when an employee messes up, it's asking, what happened? It's yeah, not asking I, the, not, you know, the theory of this is this. It's just asking, hey, so I noticed this. What happened? I love the awe question. Yes. So, and what else? Yes. So, and. And what else? 
Yeah. Hey, I'm really feeling down about. Are you a coaching habit person? Oh, I am. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. I love that yeah. book. Yeah. 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 It's good. But yep. and what else? Yep. Oh, I'm really down about you know losing Robin. I miss her at work. Oh. And what else? My husband doesn't seem to understand how I'm feeling about it. Oh, and what else? I haven't been treating my kids very well since this, and I don't know why. Oh, and what else? You know, I'm having a hard time focusing at work. Let them talk. Yeah. Let it out. Let them talk about how you, without going, well, you know, you need to start making a list of seven things to do every day. Get your checklist. Because now I've got some brilliant answers that everybody needs. Like, just, it's okay not to have answers on everything in these particular areas, especially. So that focused compassion it, not easy. Is that fair? No, I think it's not easy. So we just talked really about the compassion side. So now I want to talk a little bit about the focused compassion. So okay, we only have so, about one minute. So you got to be quick. All right, I'll be really quick. So now that you know this about the person and now that you know what's going on in their lives, it's okay for you to ask them to do work. It is perfectly okay for you. Now, not on the heels of that, but to say, hey, given our conversation yesterday, I understand these things aren't getting done. What can you get done this week? What do you think you can get done this week? Or I need you to get done these three things this week. Can you do it? So you can be really super focused. And now that person feels like you get them and they feel like they've been heard, they're going to be on it for you in a way that they weren't because they weren't feeling like they were heard. How's that for one minute? That was pretty good, okay. right? I think we do have to stay in light that, hey, we are still paid here to get solutions, contribute to our organization, contribute to our customers. This is, we get paid to do this, by the way. This is our job. Yes. And, and that's something we still have to function inside of, despite of all the other things. And I think you're, you've made a great point about resiliency. We saw, you know, 100 years ago, people saw a lot more of this. They had, they built up skills because people were modeling it all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, I still got to go back to the lumber yard and work, even though I just lost my wife or I just lost this. This person in my life and mm-hmm. my mother suddenly passed and you know um, life is going to continue to progress and go forward and and we have to do it while we grieve and this is you know maybe a little bit of multitasking but yeah i just love your your share on wisdom i'm so thankful kim that you're out there for everyone out there tell them where they can find you again because i think you're gonna get a lot of calls on grief and like <laughs> someone does some coaching like how do we get through this right and i think it's good yeah. So a couple of things. You can find me at 100actsoflove.com. That's the number 100. You can find me on Instagram at 100actsoflove. You can also find me on, on LinkedIn. Lastly, I also do have a free handout that I give to everybody, nice. which is five phrases never to say to anybody going through grief or cancer or anything else. You can download that at 100actsoflove backslash what not to say. All one word, no spaces, no capitals. What not to oh, say. What not so to you- say. Exactly. You learn what not to say and what to say instead. Nice. For everybody else, thank you for joining the Wintertime Away Show every Friday at 1230 Eastern and 938 Pacific on the Leadershipity YouTube channel, LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live. And you can download our shows on all the major networks for our podcasting. For Kim Hamer, thank you for joining us today. You are awesome. For our audience, can't wait to see you next time on the Wintertime Away Show. Rebellious Infusions are organic flavored water enhancers. Rebellious provides clean, focused energy in liquid packets. Just tear the corner of the packet and pour 16 ounces of water. Rebellious Infusions have no sugar, no calories, and up to 300 milligrams of antioxidants and loads of L-thionine for brain health. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.